trust everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I know there's a lot of people still out of town and actually still celebrating the uh, Turkey Memorial Day. We love to be able to spend time with family and friends. My wife and I just got back from Oregon. We did a quick road trip, as quick as humanly possible, because our three sons were in the back seat. You're negotiating with them the entire time, trying to keep the peace, trying to keep their hands off of each other. But uh, we're back. It's all good. Um, got a little speeding ticket, had a little run-in with the, the police a little bit. Apparently, um, you're supposed to renew your driver's license, like, <clears throat> on your birthday, whenever, you know, uh, the last birthday. And I didn't get anything in the mail. We've moved it, and, and we didn't get that. And um, that's, you know, that was the excuse the first time. Um, but this time, when she told me that um, it was a $700 fine, if you didn't, and she let me go, I uh, actually heard the voice of God say, Jason, don't be an idiot. Go to the DMV. So we actually pulled off the road at the DMV in uh, Willows or Williams, California. If you ever have to go to the DMV, you guys know how crazy the one here in Lodi is? Trust me, it's worth a three-hour drive to go up to Williams. <laughs> it's just you and a teller. I mean, it's all there is. You're, you're in and out quick, so... Um, Man, tonight, we've, we're going to start talking about something tonight that um, is just super, super crucial in the story of God. Um, if you've been following along with us, either here on Saturday nights or on the internet, following our podcast, then you know that <clears throat> we've been talking about literally the story of God. We've been talking about God's unfolding throughout history of his relationship with mankind. And we started all the way in the beginning of the book, in the book of Genesis. We took it from there all the way through where we live currently today. We've been looking at the details of what it took for God to restore his relationship with man. We've been looking at the pain that God felt when he lost his relationship with us in the garden. We've looked at the curse of sin and all of the horrible things that we witness all around us every single day. Last Saturday night, if you were here, we felt one of those horrible tragedies right here in our service as there was a family going through a horrible time of mourning and tragic death as their daughter had been murdered. And they came here to find God and solace and comfort in the house of God. And it was just amazing to watch us reciprocate the feelings that we were feeling from them as a family of friends going through the most horrific thing that I could possibly imagine as a father losing my, my child. And yet, we saw God's grace in the middle of it. We saw God's redemption. We saw the story of God coming alive in front of our very eyes. And many of us got to play a part of that. And so tonight, we're going to look at something else that Jesus did when he came and when he died for us. You guys know that up here on the, the stage, we've got these canvases. And on these canvases, there are just a whole bunch of different words that we are going through and, and digging in and, and looking at. Last week, we talked about this word righteousness. And we've talked about a word over here, justification. We learned that because of what Jesus did, he justified us before God. And as a result, he said, you are not guilty of the things that you have done wrong. You're not guilty of them. 
And then he said, I'm not even going to stop there, but I'm going to give you my righteousness. And that literally means I'm going to give you credit for the things that you didn't do, the things that only I can give, the things that only God can do. And we found security in that because how many of us know there's nothing worse than insecurity in a relationship, right? It destroys it. You're jealous of people. You're insecure. You're always thinking, what are they thinking? Am I okay? Or what's going on? Insecurity destroys relationships. And God doesn't want us to have any insecurity in our relationship with him. He wants us to come to him boldly and full of confidence and courage, knowing that he finds us the way that we are okay and loves us that way. And so tonight we're going to look even deeper at a word that's right in the middle of this canvas right here. You guys see the word freedom? Right there? Freedom. It's right there in the middle. Freedom is a word that is something that a lot of things come to mind when you hear it. If I were to say, what does freedom mean to you? I would get all kinds of different answers. Because for some of you, freedom could be if I just didn't have to work for this schmuck anymore. If I just had a new job, I would be free. Some of you, it would be a little bit harder. I won't do this, but if I did and said, how many of you in here have ever been incarcerated before? I know you. There's a whole bunch of hands that would go up inside this place. Even if it was for a night, just one night, spending a night in the pokey. Let me tell you, there's nothing worse than being in a place where you have your freedom taken away. The worst part of being in a place like that is not that you can't eat whatever you want. It's not that you can't watch whatever you want on TV or whatever. The worst part about being incarcerated is that you lose your freedom to choose. You lose your ability to be able to decide for yourself whether you want to or not. You're told what to do, isn't that right? You're told what you will do. When we look at this concept of freedom in Scripture, it's an amazing concept because what it entails and the depths of how far it goes is so beyond our understanding. It's so far beyond our ability to truly get it. I brought with me tonight a translation of the Bible that sometimes I, I read because I have a hard time getting it. This is the message translation, if any of you guys have ever checked it out before. I like reading it because it helps me understand things a little bit more simply. And as we talk about this thing of freedom, we need to get really simple to be able to understand it. So I'm going to read this for you, and I'm going to put the words on the screen in front of you so you can follow along, unless you're carrying this translation with you. It says in Romans chapter 7 and verse 15, I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I am not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself, after all. I've spent a lifetime, or a long time, in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. 
For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, as they are, they don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is right there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Let me ask you, isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions. Where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is now resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying, black cloud. Listen to this. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Those are some heavy words, huh? How many of you relate to that? Oh my gosh, it's my story on paper. It's like reading my biography. The things I want to do, no. The things I don't want to do, no, 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 no. Ugh. End up going there. The thing about this that is amazing is that right at the end of what we just read, we find out that Jesus came to give us what we could no longer give ourselves. You see, this description right here, this narrative of the back and forth living that all of us can relate to is the picture-perfect example of somebody who doesn't understand the freedom that God gives. And some of us have been Christians for a long time, and we still don't understand it. You see, the freedom that we're talking about tonight is not the kind of freedom that maybe we're thinking in our mind is, is so easy to walk in and understand. The freedom that we're talking about tonight is very similar to the concept that many of us have learned through recovery. If any of you have ever gone through the 12-step programs or recovery of any kind, the very first step is what? 
We're powerless to change. We can't change ourselves. If I were to ask you tonight, who's in control of your life? Who controls you? Many of us, if we've been around church or we've been around Christianity, we would say, well, God, God's in control of my life. But when we read this narrative found in the book of Romans, we relate to the ping pong lifestyle that's written right there, don't we? So then we have to be honest with ourselves and say, well, who's really in control of my life? See, this freedom that we're talking about is something that really, really comes down to choice. And I'm not talking about choice of what I am going to do or what I'm not going to do on a moment-by-moment basis. It really comes down to a choice of who am I going to follow? Who am I going to put my life Whose hands am I going to put my life? You see, Jesus came to give us freedom. And the picture that we get when we read scripture is a picture of something that Jesus did that we know we had nothing to do with. We've learned that. It's a picture of something that was complete. It was not missing anything. It's a picture of power. Salvation gave us power. And yet there's a moment when we don't walk in that power. There are choices that we make that turn our back on the power that's available. I'm convinced that the reason that these things happen is sometimes because we don't know. We don't know truly the freedom that Jesus is offering. Freedom is scary. We don't like freedom. I know we say, I want to be free and freedom is good, but truly, we want to know who's in charge. It's kind of funny, but you learn a lot, and I've told you this many times, but you learn a lot by watching your kids. I mean, a lot. And this last road trip that we were on, on the way to Oregon... I'm driving. I get the ticket. I do the license thing and all that. But on the way back, my wife drove. I rode shotgun. And we decided that we were going to see how the kids responded in the back seat. We had all of the tools that you need for a road trip. We had the PSP. We had the DVD player. We had, you know, lots of candy. We had all the things that you need to try to soothe children on a long road trip. But we did things a little different this time. I decided that I was going to be in charge. And so when we first started out and they said, okay, it's my turn to play the video game, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. So-and-so, you get 20 minutes. And then the next guy's going to get a turn. Now, you would have thought that this would have sent shockwaves through the solar system and they would have just revolted, but they actually went, wow, this might work. And so 20 minutes went by and there was somewhat calm. And then, of course, there was the fighting because it was now it's my turn and all that stuff. But there was this thing that started happening that was really, really interesting about halfway through the trip. They started bartering with each other about their time limits. Started saying things to each other like, hey, okay, you get five more minutes, but then, you know, I'm going to get so-and-so. And they started making up the rules 
like I didn't have anything to do with it, like I'm not sitting in the front seat. And I kept having to turn around and say, who's in charge? So-and-so, you don't get to decide how many minutes he gets to play. That's my job. And there was this tug-of-war that started happening in their lives because they wanted to know what the rules were, but then they wanted to really push it, and they wanted to be in charge. They kept trying to get past that thing that was saying, no, you can't go any further than this. You and I do that with God so much in our lives because we don't understand freedom. We don't get it. We don't understand what Jesus went through. We don't understand what he accomplished, and we don't understand what he gave us. In Isaiah chapter 53, it's a famous passage of scripture. I want to read it to you out of this translation. This is a this is a story, or this is a prophecy that was written a long time before Jesus ever walked the earth. But it was written about Jesus. Listen to what it says. Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? Jesus, the servant, he grew up before God. He was a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him. Nothing to cause us to look, to take a second look. He was looked down on and he was passed over. A man who suffered and knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him. We thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains that he carried It was our disfigurements, all the things that were wrong with us. We thought that he brought it on himself. We thought God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him. It was our sins that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. Jesus took the punishment And that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. On him. He was beaten. He was tortured. But he didn't say a word like a lamb that was taken to be slaughtered, and like a sheep that was being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice was miscarried, and Jesus was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked. They threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. You see, you and I are powerless to change ourselves, right? But Jesus can change us. Jesus can change us. 
we talked about what it was like being incarcerated for a night or two or maybe longer and how losing the ability to choose is horrible. But you know what is even more horrible? When somebody has been incarcerated for so long and they're set free and they've forgotten how to live outside. That's even worse than being locked up. I met a guy last year and I was having a talk with him and he'd been locked up for a long time, over a dozen years. And when he got paroled and we started having this heart to heart, he told me how scared he was. He told me how afraid he was to not have somebody telling him what to do. He told me how scared he was that just going into a grocery store was enough to send him over the edge and just overwhelm him. He had forgotten what it was like to live outside. He had lived too long in bondage. He had lived too long without freedom. Do you know that some of us, when we come to Jesus have lived so long in bondage and have lived so long saying yes to certain behaviors. And every single time this behavior calls my name, I just out of habit go to it and partake. Do you know that some of us, because of where we come from and because of our background and because of, of our history and maybe our family history, that when we come to Jesus and we give him ourselves and we give him us and we say, Lord, I want you. I embrace you. I want to follow after you. Our head, just like we read, says, Jesus, I am all yours. But our habits and our lifestyle does something completely different because we have lived so long outside of freedom that when it comes to us, we don't know how to respond to it. We are afraid to truly be free. You see, Jesus said that at its core, when he died, he broke the power that sin had over us. As a matter of fact, when we read the Bible, it's hard for us to understand this analogy because slavery in our mindset and in our modern culture is so ah, off limits. We can't even relate to culture that it embraces slavery. But in the day when they wrote scripture, this was a very real analogy, and he used the, the analogy of being a slave. He was saying, how would you like it if you were a piece of property, and somebody else owned you, and somebody else said, hey, you, piece of property that doesn't have any value, when I say come, you come, and you don't get a say in the decision. We, don't have, a, we have a hard time relating to that. We can't even understand that in our thinking. But that's what he related it to. He said, you're powerless against sin. You don't have a chance to refight against it. You don't have a chance to reject it. You don't have the ability to say no. When sin calls, you're its slave. It owns you. You do what it says. End of story. And this is how we've lived our whole lives. And so when Jesus comes into the picture, when Jesus, who we just read in Isaiah, who gave everything that he could give, who died an excruciating death, who bore our sins on and in himself, when he comes into the picture and he says, guess what I am doing? He says, I am drawing a line in the sand right now, and you do not have to listen to sin anymore. You don't have to do it. 
In other words, he says, I'm setting you free. When sin calls, it's still going to call. But when it calls, guess what? Now you don't have to respond. You're not its slave anymore. I've given you freedom. Now you, you can go. But you know what Jesus does that blows us away? Is he doesn't make us leave. He keeps us right here. He's, sin is right there. It used to own us. And we're right here. And Jesus separated us. He says, you're free. You don't have to be near this anymore. When it calls, you can walk away. But what do we do? We have to learn a new way to live, don't we? We have to learn a new way to live. And you know what scripture says? Scripture says in Romans 8 verse 1, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin. See what it says? For those who belong to Jesus. This is huge. You have to understand this. Remember when I said earlier in the, in the time together that we're powerless to change. It's true. We are powerless to change. But we do have the power to choose who we will follow. We do have the power to choose who we belong to. You see, freedom, true freedom that Jesus came, and this is huge, you've got to get this. True freedom that Jesus came is the fact that he broke the power that sin had over us. And Jesus walks over here and he says, now you get to choose. Who are you going to follow? You want to still partake in your old master's way of doing things? You're free. You know what that leads to. That leads to addiction that leads to shame, that leads to broken relationships, that leads to depression, that leads to broken relationships with your children. You want to go there? Go ahead. Jesus is standing here. He says, go ahead. I set you free. Is that what you want for your life? He says, I'm over here. I want you to follow me. I want you to belong to me. And the freedom that God gives is the freedom to choose. And we choose Jesus. And we walk towards him and we say to him, Jesus, you're my master now. I want to follow you. I don't want to call my own shots. I don't want to be responsible for my own life. I can't make myself happy. I know that. So Jesus, I come to you and I give myself to you. You are now my master. And we give ourselves to a new master. And you know what he says? He says, if you follow me, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I will give you hope. I will give you purpose. I will take away the things that have caused you pain and I will fashion them and shape them into something beautiful and I will make your life true life. So you choose. I choose. We stand here because of the cross of Calvary. He broke the power of sin and he says, what are you going to do? You and I see our choices in life and we get so easily caught up in the old way of doing things, don't we? It calls our name, and it's instinctual. We, like that guy I talked to that had been in prison too long, have become institutionalized. We've gotten used to it. We've gotten numb to it. We've gotten... To the point where we just go, oh, this is who I've always been. And then we come 
to God and we say, God, how is it that you say that I'm a brand new creature? How is it that you say that I'm free? How is it that you say? And you say, why? Why are you going there over and over and over? You know what it does to you. I want you to know something. Sin has no power over you. Jesus died so that we could be free. We could be free. You know that when we started this whole journey talking about the Garden of Eden, and we talked about how God loved Adam and Eve so much that everything that he created was for them. Everything that that he had was desiring a relationship with them. And then we talked about that snake that came into the garden and lied to, to Eve about her father and said, you can't trust him. And when she believed that lie about her father, we know that that sin, that curse, entered into the equation. And from that moment on, the Bible says that we had a master that we had to follow. Jesus came to set us free from that nasty master. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. I don't want to follow after that anymore. I don't want the results of that life anymore. I don't want to follow after the death and the destruction and the hopelessness and the despair and the guilt and the shame that this master brings. I don't want to be there anymore. I want to follow a new master. Let's pray. Jesus, tonight we come to you because we recognize that you are the only hope that we have. Jesus, tonight, we come to you because we recognize that, Lord, you did something so great and so amazing for us. And, God, that we just scratched the surface of understanding the depths of it, the depths of the price that you paid and the depths of the freedom that you gave to us. So God, tonight as we come to this communion table, God, tonight as we come to spend these moments with you, God, we don't do it because of empty ritual. We don't do it because we're supposed to. God, we do it because we want forefront, in the, in the front of our mind, to be thinking about the great sacrifice and the great love that you had the great willingness that you showed to come for us to give yourself for us so God I pray tonight that you would be with your people Lord your word promises us that you speak deep inside of our hearts and you tell us that we are your children and I pray right now oh God that you would speak to these hearts and you would tell them you are mine that they would hear it that they would hear you call their name personally God Lord that they would hear you speak to them in a way that they would know without any doubt this is real this is God and he knows my name Jesus I pray that as we spend these moments with you God that you would go past the addictions you'd go past the habits and you'd go to our hearts. Lord, we want you. You're all we've got.
tonight as we come, I invite you, as we do every week, to take this bread, which represents the body of Jesus that he, he gave for us. And as you dip it in the juice, that you go and you spend some time with God. And as we continue just to worship and allow God's presence to just open us up and reveal to us who he is, I, I pray, I encourage, I plead with you, don't rush through this. Take some time. If you've got to go find somewhere, at the altar, back, whatever you've got to do to have a moment with Jesus, this is between you and him. It has nothing to do with us. Saturday nights completely at their core is to provide a place for you and Jesus to connect, for you to come and be real with him. Because if you'll be real with God, he will be real with you.